0: You're listening to episode 15 of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Brent Hasecker, the host of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. And this is an episode where I've got two segments that I'm going to uh, to share with you. One is on ergonomic basses and my thoughts on them, and one in particular that I'm actually very interested in. And the other segment is on Fourscore, which is an iPad app that I've been using that is just a wonderful, wonderful app that I want to tell you about that it can really save you a lot of hard heartache if you're using printed paper chord charts. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Segment 1, Ergonomic Bass Guitars. Last episode, I talked about the Ibanez short-scale bass that I got. Uh, I've still really been enjoying it. It's working out really well. Um, it's doing its intended purpose, which is being my beater bass. I'm taking it to rehearsals, and it's doing a good job. And um, so it, one of the things that uh, also the purpose that it served as being a, a more ergonomic bass for me in that the shorter scale makes it a little easier to play for longer periods of time, um, since you don't have as far of uh, finger stretches, then it just makes it a little bit easier overall to, to play. Also, it's a little bit more lightweight, which helps out as well when you're, you've got it strapped on over your shoulder, although it has some pretty bad neck dive, as I mentioned in the last uh, episode, too. But anyway, since uh, it's been working out really well for me, it actually got me thinking a lot about ergonomics in, in bass guitars and uh, thinking more about uh, what options are out there. And it's funny. I just got this Ibanez short scale bass, and 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 now all of a sudden I'm looking at another Ibanez, which is weird because I never Ibanez was really never a, a bass brand that I really gravitated towards. I my first bass that I owned was an SR series bass back in the late late 90s, or uh, maybe early no late 90s, yeah late 90s, and um, just didn't like it. Um, not that it was a bad bass. It just wasn't right for me, and so I got rid of it. Um, and just never have been, yeah, I've just never had a pull towards, towards Ibanez bases. And now all of a sudden I, I own one and I'm looking at another one. And the one that I'm looking at is the Ibanez, I think it's the, is it the EHB? Hopefully I... I think I'm remembering correctly, I probably should have checked before the podcast, before I started recording, but I think it's the EHB series, and it's the base that's, the first time you see it, at least for me, I thought, that is the ugliest looking base I've ever seen in my life, oh my gosh, that's ugly, who would buy that, and over the months, um, now, um, with a fresh new look on ergonomics, I'm now actually going, oh, it's kind of a cool looking base. Now that I understand it a little bit better and why it's designed the way it is now I'm going, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And if you haven't seen the base uh, or maybe you have, but you just didn't realize it was called the EHB. Um, but uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a really weird looking base. It is a headless base. So that of course, um, You still don't see a whole lot of headless bases out there, but, um, so it's still, you know, whenever you see one, it kind of gets your attention but also it has this really weird body shape. And then they also have, it's got two mod two different. Well, it's got a multiple, um, multiple different models. I was going to say two different models, but it's got two different variations on the different multiple models that they have. And that is, it's either got fan frets or it's got regular traditional, traditional frets. And so if you see it with the fan frets, the headless, you uh, you know, Headstock, a headless headstock that that's almost like headless headstock, the no headstock headed, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to say it's got no headstock and it's fan frets and it's got a really weird body shape. So naturally it just, it gets your attention. And again, when I first saw it, I thought that thing is ugly, but, uh, since it makes sense now. And the, the reason is because it's so ergonomic and that's why it's starting to appeal to me. And the, uh, well, let me kind of give you a rundown of of the, uh, of the base going through all the different aspects, all the, you know, everything, all the features about it kind of one by one. So let's just go ahead and start with the, the headless nature of it. Now, Headless Basses, as most of you probably know, have been around since at least the late 70s, early 80s, um, you know, popularized by the Steinberger bass guitar. And I actually, I've only one time in my entire life I've ever played a Steinberger or held one in my hands. Um, and that was actually in the uh, the mid 80s when I was a kid. And I was in a band, uh, sort of, I guess you could say I was in a band, um, because I think we never actually all got together at the same time to play, and uh, I was a keyboard player at the time, and our guest bass player, who I only got together with one time, but he was very good at promoting us with all of our friends and drawing logos and stuff for our band, but anyway, uh, he actually came over to my house one time and he brought his bass collection. He had a, uh, he had a Steinberger and he had a Fender Precision, American Fender Precision. Now we were just like kids. I mean, his mom, I think had to drive him over or something or his parents, or I don't even remember. Um, well maybe, maybe he was old enough to drive then. I don't know, but I know I was probably about 15 at the time. And so, uh, the fact that you know little teenage kids, you know one of them has you know a, a Steinberger bass was, was pretty impressive at that time, and so I actually got to play it. And I think the reason why he had, well, the reason he did have is because he was a big Getty Lee fan. And basically all the musicians that I knew in the 80s as a kid were really heavy into Rush. They loved Rush and just everything Rush, which I, you know, they're a cool band. I, I enjoyed, enjoyed them as a band and and liked their music, but I never really became like this fanatical musician you know rush thing that so many musicians have for them so i just thought yeah they're a cool band they do some really cool stuff they're very talented um, i like a lot of their albums but i just never got fanatical about it like him so or a lot of my other musician friends at that time but uh, so he somehow I guess managed to get his parental units to uh to get him a a Steinberger bass and so he brought it over and this was one of those uh, I guess the early ones you know now you can't you know they're just they're they're I don't want to say they're junk but they're they're not the same bass they were back in the back in the 80s and so this was the model that actually had It was almost like a swivel attachment that it had. And I know I'm getting off topic from the headless aspect of it, but uh, I'm just going down memory lane here for a little moment on the Steinberger base. But it actually it kind of had this plastic plate that went up against your body and the plastic plate is what was on the straps and then had this i guess it was like a little metal uh rod attachment in the middle of the plastic that the base attached to at its central point of of uh weight distribution and so it just had this one contact point with the plate that was resting against your your body like your stomach uh, if you had it strapped on and that's that was it so you you played the base on this like a little pivot that was. It almost coming out of your stomach so to speak because the plastic was against your stomach so it was really weird but in of course at the time i wasn't a bass player i was just a keyboard player and i was just a kid so i didn't really know much to think about it but i can remember back to what it was like to to, to play it and still it, you know yeah it, it you know, it was, it was kind of a weird experience having that bass on. It felt kind of def- definitely very different from any other instrument that i had noodled around with in the past, um, you know, guitars or basses or whatever. So um, that was my only experience with the Steinberger. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. I just completely went uh, derailed there and went off on a little story. But uh, so going back to the Headless and the Steinberger, like I said, was what got Headless basses popular but the uh, Steinberger uh, and that's a uh, Ned Steinberger is the, the person behind the Steinberger brand. He sold the base and, or sold the base, sold the company and later started another company called, called NS design, which is a big company. Now it's still, it's still around and, and he's producing bases and, and so he's still got headless bases out there. But, um, so the Steinberger was the one that, that made headless popular and, but it, didn't really you know it was cool in the 80s and then it was very uncool after the 80s and you just you just really haven't seen many headless bases since and so it's nice to see the headless design coming back around and the reason for that is because it takes off the weight of the headstock and you don't have as much of an issue with neck dive, assuming you've got a well-balanced bass and it would be easier to balance because you don't have that extra weight at the end of the headstock. And so that's really cool. So you got better uh, weight distribution on the bass, plus it's less of a weapon to other people. I'm always having to lecture, you know, singers and other musicians or whatever to not stand so close to me on my left because I've got you know, this base with this big old long neck and this, this big giant headstock on it with these big metal tuners. I'm like, you know, if you get too close to me and I'm moving around back and forth and I don't see you, I might end up accidentally smacking you in the face. So you've got to keep a distance from me. And so I guess with a head, headless bass, then you're going to have less of a chance of, of accidentally using it as a weapon against somebody because there's less there to, uh, to use as a weapon. So that's a, that's a good thing, but a little bit off the ergonomic aspect of it, but I guess, um, if you're not getting hit in the face with a base, then that's probably pretty ergonomic for the other people around you. Um, but the, so the headless, very ergonomic because better weight distribution. Another thing about this Ibanez base that really appeals to me is that the way the body shape is designed, it's supposed to be very comfortable to play, whether you're sitting or standing, it's supposed to put the base in the same, uh, position regardless of whether you're standing or sitting. So that's kind of cool. Also, it is designed the way the uh, strap blocks are on it and how they kind of curve in on the top horn. It's kind of designed to better put the bass in a 45 degree angle with your body. And I'm trying to play more with a 45 degree angle, um, whereas a lot of times bass players will have that, you know, perpendicular to the floor, you know, way you're playing. And so that's a little bit harder on your wrist. But if you move the base up higher, at least, you know, the neck up higher, so you've got a 45 degree angle with your body, then it's, it's almost kind of, you're getting more in the, the terrain of playing like a upright bass. So your, your hand, your left hand is, a, is in a much more comfortable position for playing the bass. And then also your right hand is also your, or your right arm is a little bit more straightened out. Of course, I'm assuming that you're right-handed as well. So uh, left-handed players, I, I, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying here. I'm not trying to, to, to leave you all out, but I'm just assuming most of the people are listening are right-handed, and I'm speaking from my own right-handed perspective. And then the, uh, the other thing about the base, this Ibanez base, is that... It tapers at the top in order to uh, give you a more, I guess, friendly angle with your body. And I've never played the bass, so I'm just making some assumptions here. But I think it kind of, when you have it against your body, it allows the bass to kind of tilt a little bit towards you, so that I guess you can see what you're playing a little better. I don't know. I'd have to put. I'd have to actually play the bass to see to see how that feels to me because it almost seems like then that would tilt if it tilts the bass a little bit towards you, then maybe that would make it a little bit more strain on your left hand when you're wrapping it around the neck, so I don't know. I'd have to have to see about that, but anyway, that's a feature that the bass has, and it's supposed to be more ergonomic, but uh, I'd have to actually play the bass the... To- tell you what I think on that. But anyway, just wanted to mention it because that is part of the uh, feature set of the bass. And another thing is it has adjustable saddles for um, making custom spacing, string spacing, which is really cool. And because one of the things that I'm always bouncing between is, you know, if I'm playing my music band bass and then I'm playing my Fender jazz, there's such a difference in the string spacings between those uh, two basses. And it's almost like the the music man feels a little bit too tight spacing and then the jazz bass sometimes feels a little too wide spacing. So if I actually had the control to to make the string spacing exactly the way I wanted it, oh that would be awesome. So that's a feature that really appeals to me on that on this bass. And I don't think I've ever seen it before on other bases before. May I'm maybe it's just me, maybe there's plenty of other bases that do that. I don't know, but I I've never known I never knew that feature existed before now before you know exploring this bass and I really like the idea of being able to change the string spacing on my own bass so that would be cool to get it exactly the way you like it which again if you're getting the bass exactly the way you like it that's going to make it more ergonomic to the way you play and uh while it's not an ergonomic feature I don't think (laughs) it does have fan frets at least on a on a few of the models and um so that's kind of a cool thing. I haven't had a chance yet to play fan a fan fret bass, but I, I think I would uh, be perfectly fine with it. And um, yeah, so I'm 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 very intrigued to 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 play one of these Ibanez bases to see what it's like and to uh, see if it's a, a worthy contender. Now, the funny thing about it is I I talked about this. I might have talked about it in the podcast last week, and I definitely talked about it on the video that I did for the short scale bass that I got. I talked about the uh, the toothpaste green color of the bass, and how it's just like, oh, I, if they could just have a different color than toothpaste green. Well, of course the the Ibanez uh, EBH or EHB, whatever it's called. I think this is EHB. I think I'm gonna have to double check that because I'm I'm feeling really funny that I'm, I'm I started. Recording this without double checking the name of the base. But on this uh, new base, I've been as EHB series that I'm interested in, of course they've got a model that's that toothpaste green. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, so I guess I'm getting used to the toothpaste green color. And what's funny is I, I get so many people that like that color, that comment on the, the color of my short scale base that's that color. They're like, oh, that color is so cool. And I'm like, really? But yeah, it's kind of growing on me. It is it is kind of cool. It's just not my first choice of what I would have picked for a color. But anyway, um, so what are some other cool uh, bases that are more ergonomic? Well, there's another base that I, I learned about recently that Australia really, uh, is also very intriguing. Um, I think it's a more high-end bass. I don't know the pricing on them. Um, I it just it just seems like it would be something that's probably pretty expensive. But it's a, a bass guitar bass guitar company called Torzel, and I think they also make guitars. I'm not sure, but you know guitars. Who cares? <laughs> We're talking about basses here. So they make basses, and they have the way they handle ergonomics. They handle it with a little bit of a twist. <laughs> so they literally twist the neck and what I mean by that is the neck isn't straight it actually twists so the fretboard is more flat the closer you get towards the body of the base but as you move away from the body of the base it actually twists downward And it's the freakiest thing to look at. It almost looks like there's like, how in the world? That doesn't make sense. That can't actually work that way. How? Whoa, huh? Because the the strings have to be straight. So it's like this really weird optical illusion. It looks like it can't possibly really exist, but it literally twists. And you're thinking, well, why the heck does the neck of the bass twist? Will it twist? in order to put your so when you're say you're wearing your bass around the neck and you're you're playing you're standing there now instead of having to reach your hand around as much to play the fretboard it's actually more in alignment with your left hand and again I'm talking from a right-handed perspective here and so your 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 wrist isn't twisted up as much it's the guitar does the twist for you so you're in a better position with your left hand now I would think that in in uh, with this bass guitar then it would be harder to actually see your fretboard while playing because it's twisted away from you visually but it's more twisted in alignment with your left hand so I don't know just I'm really intrigued by it but of course it's I, I think it's you know it's a very um, what's the word uh, esoteric or you know, very rare kind of guitar that you probably don't see too often. You're not, definitely not going to see in stores. I think it's a custom builder. So the chances of actually finding one to play it is probably pretty rare, but very intriguing. And I wish I had the ability to, to find one and play it because I'm really curious about that. So, and the, the body shapes, it, it, a lot of the, uh, the pictures that I've seen of them have more of a traditional kind of jazz-ish bass kind of look to them. So I, I'm assuming it'd be a about standard weight of a, of a jazz bass and standard kind of feel of, of your traditional bass. It just has that twisted neck that's supposed to be more comfortable for you to play. So anyway, that's, uh, that's one to look into. And again, that's Torzl Guitars. Um, I believe it's spelled T-O-R-Z-A, L, I think, or Z E L. No, I think it's Z A L. Again, I really need to, <laughs> I really need to write this stuff down before I start recording. I just try to do it off the top of my head, and and uh, hopefully I'm giving you the right information on that. So that's will Guitars, and then another one that's really intriguing. Although I'll also admit very ugly. Um, this one's been a hard one to warm up to, but I, I have been warming up to it. Um, and cause I, again, because I, I recognize the, the ingeniousness of the guitar and then I'm like, okay, now I can, now I can understand why it looks initially so ugly, but now I can, I can give it some grace because I understand why. And that would be the, uh, Strandberg, basses. They look like the Strandberg guitars. If um, Well, if you haven't seen the uh, Strandberg guitars, then then look them up, but it, it just looks like a bass version of their guitars. And they're a very weird-looking guitar, very weird-looking bass, but they make a lot of sense. Again, this is a another headless design, but the body shape is really weird, but it's supposed to be designed so it's very comfortable, very comfortable to play sitting down. It's supposed to be pretty lightweight and uh, just overall. It's, um, it's just supposed to be a a well-crafted instrument. It's a very expensive instrument, but, um, definitely not something that looks like your traditional bass guitar and from my understanding again I've never played one but I believe it's not as traditional sounding maybe I'm not sure um, as say the Ibanez that I just mentioned that series um, I've heard a lot of demos on it it has more of a traditional bass sound which also appeals to me it's not trying to be something really crazy and modern Um, it's got a pretty good good sound to it on the Ibanez I haven't really heard too many demos of the uh of the strandberg but most of them i've heard have been a little bit more rocking kind of stuff which is cool but it's not as much of you know my thing i like the you know more warm bass sound uh, a little bit more traditional and i'm you know i'm not playing rock really anymore i'm playing you know i'm playing uh worship music so um which you know there's some room for some rock stuff there of course but um it's uh a good full warm sound is is more what uh, to my liking. So anyway, that, that's kind of my rundown on some of the uh, the ergonomic bases that I've been looking at. With of course the the first one I mentioned, the the Ibanez being the one that has uh, been of most interest. Simply because um, although the torso has also been a, I've been as interested in that, but I, the chances of ever coming across one are going to be very rare, and they're probably going to be very expensive. My guess, whereas the Ibanez is a little bit more affordable. Not that I'm in the market to buy a bass right now, um, but you know it's always fun to to plan for the uh, for the future. Maybe one time down the road when I have the option to buy another bass, then then that Ibanez uh, is something that's more readily available and something that I could try out and uh, possibly be a, a contender for another bass. Also, some other things with ergonomics that are worth mentioning is the strap that you use. And years ago, I when I started playing in a band, playing bass in a band, I I experimented with a strap called the slider strap. And I'm not sure if they even exist anymore or not. But as far as the what it was supposed to do, which is evenly distribute the bass across both shoulders, did a fantastic job at that. The only problem was is that instead of having a better it didn't the base like if you just have a regular strap and the base hangs around your neck it kind of falls into a natural position for you to play or with the slider strap it like jerks your arm your left arm way back and puts the base really straight across your the front of your abdomen and 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 it's not at an angle out from your body it's like completely perpendicular with your body and it just is a very uncomfortable uh, position to play in and you're always fighting to push the base out away from your body and so uh, I used I still I, I managed to use the slider strap for quite a while played many performances with that strap and kind of Got used to it, but um, yeah, I, I broke it out again. I found it and broke it out for uh, worship rehearsal a while back, and I was just I put it on for a short period of time. I was like, no, this is not going to work. Um, but if you're not familiar with the slider strap, and again, I don't know if they still make these or not, but um, it basically looks like a like a, a, a what do you call it? A pair of suspenders almost, and that you put it over both shoulders like a harness, and then it has a strap on our, uh, we call it the thing for the strap on one end and for the other. And it just kind of, it's almost like your, it's almost like the, your base is your pants. And these are the overalls that are hanging off your shoulders. It's, it's, so it's, it's a, uh, it's a little funny looking. So from the back, it has this, you know, crisscross look, almost like you're, you're wearing a shoulder holster for a gun or something like that from the back. Um, so, you know, it's a clever idea and, but it just, um, and again, it, it was great for your back. It gave really even distribution of the the bass. Just wasn't as comfortable to uh, to play the bass with. Now Groove Gear has got a strap, and again, I should have looked on the website for the name of it before I started recording, but I didn't. Um, but Groove Gear has got a strap where it actually, and what's funny is I actually thought. When I was thinking of some ideas for a strap years and years ago, I thought it would make sense maybe if you just have a strap, if you put another piece around that wrapped in around your other shoulder and maybe that would work. And and sure enough, Groove Gear actually took my idea. They got into my head and, and, and took my idea. So um, again, I don't know the name of the strap, but um, it's something that I've been Curious to uh, to maybe try out someday. Uh, so, if you want a better distribution of your base, um, look into Groove Gear. Again, I don't know the name of the strap, but if you go to the website, you will surely find it. So, th- those are my thoughts on ergonomics. And again, kind of spurred on from my interest in my new short scale base. And uh, so, uh, go out there and see what uh, other kind of ergonomic bases you can find. And if you come across some cool ones, let me know. But I, I definitely want to push ergonomics more in 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 bass guitars because i mean come on we're 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 playing heavy instruments and so you know it'd, it'd be nice to have you know and we're fighting you know against the strings and the thicker strings and the you know the neck and wrapping our hands around it and and just yeah come on let's 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 uh, see if we can do this better than we're doing it now Segment two, a review of Fourscore, an app to replace printed core charts. I want to do a review of a iPad app called Fourscore. And the reason I want to do a review of it, because it's been very helpful to me on the Wednesday night church that I play at. Um, so let me tell you why I'm using this this app now uh, for, well, when I first started with my worship team, with my my home church, about seven or eight years ago, we were using printed charts. And that was a pain, a real serious pain. I had a A binder that was probably three inches thick just crammed with with chord charts and every time we do a song have to hunt through it and find the chord chart and uh, not fun at all so I was really thrilled when we moved over to planning center and we've been using planning center for about six years now five or six years and it's so much easier and if you're not familiar with planning center it's It's just what you should be using if you're on a worship team because you can create a song list really quickly, whoever's in charge of, you know, setting up the song list and it automatically attaches all the chord charts to that song list and you just go in and boom, there's all the uh, chord charts. If the person who's in charge of the song list updates the song list and adds another song to the set or takes one away, boom, it automatically updates it for everybody on their iPad. And now you've got the right chords automatically for you. You don't have to go hunting for, for, uh, for chord charts or anything. It's just all nicely fed to you. Um, so it's really nice and, uh, yeah, you're, hopefully if you're not using it at some point, um, your church can start using Planning Center because it just makes life so much easier. Well, when I started playing about a year ago, when I started playing at this other church on Wednesday nights, they don't use Planning Center. They are back to the old school version of hunting through giant binders, finding chord charts, and then the chord charts aren't in the key that maybe you're playing it in. So then you got to Oh, so that whole mess all over again. So I was, and I, I realized the first few months that I was on the team, I was starting to build my own binder again of all the songs that we do. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I do not want to go down this binder road again. So I started looking for what. I could use instead and thought, why don't I digitize this stuff and use a, use an app? And so I did some research on the different apps that are out there, learned about Fourscore, really impressed me. And I thought, I think this is what I'm going to try. So I purchased the app. It was a little bit pricey for an app. If I remember correctly, it was about $15, um, but it was very $15, very well spent. And so I want to tell you about it because if you've got a binder full of, of chord charts, just using an iPad on on the platform is so much nicer and basically fourscore allows me to have the the planning center uh, experience without actually having planning center so i can still have that planning center experience it's all right there and it's it's just the only difference between this and planning centers i have to scan in my own uh chord charts but fourscore makes it very easy so let me explain how it works so you get the app And if you got your scores, all you got to do is you lay out your paper scores in front of you. And with the iPad's camera, you snap some photos of the, the pages and Foursquare automatically lines it up, all the corners and everything. And even if you're a little bit askew in your photo taking and it straightens everything out, it makes the, uh, instead of having like a glare paper or, or a lot of smudges on the paper, whatever, it actually fixes all the contrast. It's almost like if you were scanning this stuff with a, a regular scanner, you'd go, "Oh, this looks really crummy. I'm gonna have to put it, you know, take it in the Photoshop or, or some other software like that and you know touch it up and make it look really nice and spend another five or ten minutes per sheet of paper, making everything look good well, Fourscore just automatically does that for you. Just snap, 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 and it automatically goes boop, 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 and makes everything look really good. You give it a name, and you put it in your little database in Fourscore, and now it's all you can tag it to. And, of course, you've got your title on there. And so now whenever I get the... The song list for Wednesday service, all I have to do is go, oh, there's the song list that I've now received on a piece of paper. And instead, I can just go boop, 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 and put all those songs on a song list in Fourscore. And now it's all in order. I go into that song list and... Now I just swipe right through the songs as we're playing it, just like I would do in Planning Center. So it's so much easier and I just love it. So and I've been I've also been putting all of my old cheap music in it, which I've had for years, like for piano. I one of these days I still have these grand illusions that I'll I'll actually get better on piano again and actually be able to play a lot of the old classical music pieces I used to play so I scan a lot of those in I any t- any basically any anything that's uh sheet music I just scan in and and have it in different categories and tag differently and it just works great so if you're if you've got a binder full of uh sheet music this is definitely the way to go Thank you for listening to the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Now, something I want to tell you about before we wrap up here is the my next episode is going to be really cool i've got a fantastic guest that i'm going to have on the podcast he is a phenomenal uh... gospel based player and i'm just really excited to uh... to have him on the podcast his name is travis dykes you probably have heard of him or seen some of his videos on youtube and so when I, I usually don't mention, uh, you know, my guests that I'm going to have coming up when I do an interview, because number one, you never know if the interview is going to fall through or something's going to happen. I actually mentioned that one time before somebody, you know, a topic I was going to do an interview with and that person, their schedule never worked out and we never got to do the interview. So I'm always hesitant to, to, to say that somebody's going to be on, but we do have a date. And it's fixed in the time, and so he seems excited about it, and I'm definitely excited about it. So I want to go ahead and share it with you. And the other reason why I want to share it with you is because I'm putting together questions for him. I think it's going to be a lot of great questions, but I also want to make sure that I'm asking him questions that you're interested in. Now, this is a really great gospel based player and I've you know I want to learn more of gospel base and so I'm going to have a lot of great questions for him but uh, if you've got questions that you want to ask him then definitely let me know and you can do that by going to our Facebook page which is facebook.com uh, bass guitar worship blender podcast I think uh, well anyway just go to Facebook and type in bass guitar worship blender and I'm sure the uh, the uh, group or the page will will pull up and so just go there and, and let me know what questions you have for Travis and I'll definitely see about getting those worked into the interview and also check out Travis's video channel if you haven't already because um, I really think you'll if you're not familiar with him I really think you'll you'll just really love his his playing and what he does on his channel and um, so he's on YouTube and just go to YouTube and type in Travis Dykes, and Dykes is spelled D-Y-K-E-S, and I think you'll really like him. Make sure to subscribe to his channel, and again, let me know what questions you have for him, because like I said, I've got some great questions, but I know that uh, our audience can can have some good questions too, and I want to make sure that they uh, that if you've got them, that we uh, ask them. So I'm going to try to do that with more of the interviews that I do, is kind of let you know in advance so that um, I can get you all involved into the interviews and, and make sure sure your questions are getting, getting asked to, uh, to people that I'm interviewing. All right. So, uh, other than that, um, also I, I just gave you Travis Dyke's. Uh, YouTube channel and told you to go check them out there, but also check us out on on YouTube as well. The, uh, we have a we have a a worship blender channel on YouTube, and if you go to YouTube and just type in worship blender, you'll pull up our channel, and it's got a lot of videos. I'm I kind of was a last year or so hadn't been putting out as many videos. I'm trying to get some videos uh, going again. I recently just posted the. The review of the Ibanez short scale bass that I got—I know I—I I talked about it on the episode last last time, but I also did a, a very thorough walkthrough video of the bass. So, if you had some interest in that bass after hearing the podcast last time then you'll definitely be interested in that video a lot of other videos some some training stuff and uh, you know things like that and me playing and different things but I'm trying to make some more videos on a more regular basis so that I've got some cool stuff for you to look at and so make sure to go there and subscribe to that YouTube channel too and again make sure to, to see us on Facebook and follow along with what's going on and again I just I, I'm so thankful that you're listening to this podcast I'm glad that it, it has an audience and and I hope that the what I'm putting together for you is, is worth your time and worth your listening. I love feedback from other people. If you want to give me any feedback, feel free to do it on our on our Facebook page or our Facebook group. And just let me know what you think or things that you're interested in, things that you would like me to, to cover. I'll do my best to, uh, to try and make sure I'm, uh, you know and do my best to make sure I can I can find a way to get everything that people are interested in into the podcast. So there you go. So thank you again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day. Boop.